Repeat after me. I'm going to get closer to Jesus today. I'm going to be strengthened in my faith. I'm going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his precious name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to roll up your spiritual sleeves today. We're going to learn more about fighting to protect what Jesus died to give us. I mentioned, I said we were going to do this last week, and uh, man, I, I just, I guess the, I just thought that they'd be lined up to the highway out there because this is important. But that's all right because there are listeners online, and I just, I haven't taken the time to thank you in a while, and I want, I do see you. I don't get to look as often as I should, but uh, I want to start in San Angelo and say thank you for your faithfulness. And God loves you and got big plans for you. Uh, all of you in uh, Dallas and uh, uh, Tennessee and Mississippi and Canada and uh, Brazil and in Frankfurt, Germany for sure. Um, well, there are just so many places in Russia and, uh, and all the different places that I have no idea why you would tune in to someone like me from Texas, but <laughs> God knows, and as long as you're growing and you're blessed by it, well, we thank, we're thankful and we love you, and uh, God has everything for you that he has for us. Amen? Amen. You want to be a part of this church, you just say it's your church home, and that's it. <laughs> you don't have to do any kind of catechisms here or anything like that no Hail Marys nothing I'm not making fun maybe a little <laughs> hallelujah turn in your Bibles Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12. <clears throat> From the days of John the Baptist until now, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to labor on that for a minute. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this whole message. And it's going to bless you. The amplified version of that says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, and violent men seize it by force. Sounds like heaven is losing ground. <coughs> Sounds like the devil and the, and the, and the demons are they're taking some of heaven, taking some of the kingdom back. That doesn't say that. Not at all. The Amplified has in parentheses after it says it sees it by force, it says as a precious prize. And this coincides with a verse in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, it says, the law and the prophets were until John. This is talking about the Old Testament. Talking about John the Baptist. Since then, 
the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. Now we're getting a little more clearer understanding of it, huh? I'm going to keep going with that. The New Living Translation says, Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. Amen. Now it's becoming more clear. The Strong's Concordance, it literally says that they're, they're pressing in. Jesus was saying that before the time of John the Baptist, the only way to approach God was through the law, the Old Testament law, and the prophets, and the sacrifices, the blood sacrifices. By the time Jesus got here, all the rules and regulations had become cold and hard to understand. Rituals, impossible to live up to. And it had turned the hearts of the people far from God. That's what religion will do to people. All kinds of religion. Besides making you angry and bitter, and hopeless, and radical, as we see. Yeah. You know, yeah. crazy stuff. That's what religion does. That's why Jesus came against even the religious teachers of his own people. Because they were hypocrites, and they'd got caught up in the do's and the don'ts and the acts and and they've become judgmental hypocrites. So in Matthew chapter 15, when, when John the Baptist, it's like the first nine verses or whatever, three through nine, when John the Baptist came onto the scene in the power of the Holy Spirit, he had the Holy Ghost from in, in, his, in his mother's womb. Remember when, when Jesus' mother Mary knocked on Elizabeth's door and and she said, the baby, when he heard your voice, he, he leaped for joy in, in my womb. That's funny how, how a, a, a droplet of ice on Mars can prove that there's life on Mars, but a heartbeat uh, in the world can't. <laughs> Some of you get that later. People believe what they want to believe. Unfortunately, even Christians don't let this word, which is from God, written by God through men, they don't let the word of God get in the way of what they want to believe. But when John the Baptist came on the scene and in, in preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost for people to turn away from their sin and put their faith in the coming Messiah, it was good. They... They were excited. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Jesus said, um, said Jesus who, 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 made, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Yeah. Not of the letter, 
That's the Old Testament, do's and don'ts. But of the Spirit, that's capital S, Holy Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So John was saying, hey, I've got some great news. John the Baptist, I got some great news. I, I, can't, even, I can't even begin to explain it. It's so good news. I'm here to baptize you with water. Yeah, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> but pretty soon, there's coming a full-blown evangelical, full gospel, Pentecostal, who's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Well, suddenly the multitudes who... who before hadn't even been asking or seeking about God. Now they see their opportunity. They begin flocking to the wilderness to be baptized by John, confessing their sins and putting their faith in the coming Messiah. They were pressing in, you see? They were pressing in to the kingdom of heaven, overcoming all the, the obstacles, the opposition from, from the law, from traditions and doctrines of men from unbelief and from everything that the devil uh, was throwing at them just, just to receive the message that John preached. They were violently resolved in their zeal and they were forcefully pressing into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. Now we're seeing what that scripture means. They were excited. Nothing was going to keep them from it. For 1,500 years, the law had been in place, and, and these, the ones in charge of it had just become more and more corrupt and made it harder and harder on them and abused them more and more, and they knew something was wrong. And when they finally heard this good news, they said, Yeah, we want that. Today, just like in the days of John the Baptist, Satan is opposing the preaching of the gospel. Oh yeah. He's trying to stop us. The devil has people in the streets and in the state houses. He has people in the church and the unchurched. From front row deacons to church hopping bullfrogs. <laughs> the easily offended yeah. that bounce around to cause offense and division. Yeah. Trying to stop the preaching of the kingdom of God. The real Jesus, which is all that we care about. Amen. And only those who are violently resolved to receive God's best are going to have it. That's what it takes in this world where the heat is turned up so high. Spiritually, that is. Spiritual violence, not physical violence. We have to connose. We have to empty out and forget everything we think we know about what it means to be violent and learn spiritual violence. And we're going to understand more about it today with the Lord's help. Amen. Amen. 
James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're submitted to God, you enter into a sort of spiritual violence, and that devil will run from you. Because you're going to enter into a heart of gratitude and an attitude of thankfulness and faith in the promises and provision of God. And it's going to drive that devil crazy and drive him away when he realizes he can't break you or bring you back to himself. Now Matthew 11:13 says that for all the prophets and the law, again, that's the old covenant, prophesied until John. Now, John was the last of those Old Testament prophets, really. And he was coming, though. He was a special kind of prophet. Jesus said there was none born ever until him, of course. He didn't include himself, but we know that to be true. None greater than John the Baptist. But then he said, but the very least in the kingdom of heaven. And remember, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You, so... So every one of you is greater than John the Baptist who Jesus said was the greatest man ever born up until that time. Isn't that a blessing? The Old Testament law now has, has expired. It's gone. And you got people fighting to keep the Ten Commandments in the state houses and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with it because the law is perfect and holy, but it had no power to make you that way, you see. We live under the New Testament of grace and truth in this church age, which is the last age until Jesus returns. Jesus has not, God has not changed one thing about the way he deals with man, his attitude towards anything, his opinion about what's okay and and. You know, he hasn't evolved, nothing. From the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was given till Jesus returns, same, same. Same legal binding contract with God and man. The new covenant based on Jesus, precious blood, signed, sealed, and delivered. You know... The New Testament, it, it, it also, the, the grace of God, it includes all the, the Old Testament good stuff, which was there. It was just in type and shadow. It's just none of the foolish stuff, you know. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So they added a bunch of laws. To, after God started with 10, they added 600 and something more, right? So... You get all, all the good stuff, but now you don't have to, you know, go through a ceremonial, uh, you know, if a lizard drops in your pot, you don't have to throw it away. You know, you just bust out the dawn and scrub a little bit. You know, you know there, there were some things that made a person unclean and they had to do all sorts of weird stuff and stay away from people. Now... There's three aisles in the grocery store dedicated to taking care of that problem for everybody, you know. God is good. 
Romans 3.21 talks about us being righteous apart from the law. Apart from the law. Apart from our good deeds and our good behavior. By faith in Jesus. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So it was all pointing to what the righteousness of God. But it was telling us that it was coming to us in a way that we couldn't obtain on our own. Even though they had said, yeah, at the Mount Sinai. Yeah, well, whatever he says, we'll do it. They should have said, fallen down right there and said, Lord, we can never do that. We need you. He would have said, all right then. Let's get back on the right track. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 18 says, For on the one hand a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. The old covenant law was pure and holy, but it had no power to change you from the inside out, you see. No power to make you pure and holy like it was. But Jesus can, and he does, praise God. In the 8th chapter, just a page over in Hebrews chapter 8, the 7th, I print these out so I, I don't go to them because I'll read a lot more than I intend to. So Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 13, starting in the 7th verse, and I'll probably skip some of this. For if the first covenant, the old covenant, stuff before Matthew. <laughs> Actually, the first five books and the prophets and the Proverbs. Anyway, for if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So he's saying there was something wrong with that first covenant, the Old Testament he's talking about. He said that he found something wrong with it. You know what he found wrong with it? Us. Not him. It was, <laughs> it was perfect and pure and holy. It was just showing us who God was and telling us to live up to his standard. Whoops. <laughs> For he finds fault with them. When he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And you might as well say to the church now. See, because everybody has the same opportunity. He's, he's demolished the dividing wall, and now everyone has the same opportunity to hear the gospel, which contains the faith necessary to believe and to say, I believe, I receive. Jesus be my Lord and Savior. You Jewish carpenter, I love you. I love you. You're no longer a Jewish carpenter. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I see now that you're the Messiah that we were waiting for for all the time. Hallelujah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt for they didn't continue they did not continue in my covenant and so I showed them 
I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. I, I was angry with them. God has a soul just like us. A mind, a will, and emotions. And, and just like us, when he says I was angry, I think he was hurt. They heard him. He did so much. Oh. For this is the covenant that I will. But look, he's still trying to find a way. He said, I got to find a way. He is love. And he's always trying to find a way without making us into robots for us to receive his love. He's so, he's so wonderful. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. And write them in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's for you, folks. That's for us, for them, for anyone who will receive. Any one of those Arabs over there. Huh? They could walk right out of a Hamas terror group and walk into this church today and fall down on their knees. They, they don't have to, whatever they did, they come in and they repent of their sins and they say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. They would be saved. I heard a story the other day about five, a, a, a family of five Muslims, I think they were in Iran. They all had the same dream about Jesus on the same night. The next morning they all got born again at the Breakfast table. Amen. Amen. He's doing that more and more. We talk about Messianic Jews a lot. Those are Jews that don't have to stop being Jews. They just believe in the Messiah. That the Messiah is Jesus. And they missed it and now they get it. And praise God, they're born again. And how powerful. Look at the, look at the Apostle Paul. He was persecuting and having Christians torn from their homes and thrown into the, the prisons. And, you know, they were using them for lion bait and stuff like that for sport. And then he became the greatest apostle of all times. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he had to go around and probably some of those families were still alive. They remembered. They were afraid of him at first. But he changed. God you didn't change him. He, Paul died. Or Saul died. And Paul was resurrected with Christ. And they shall not teach each about his neighbor to each. I'm going to skip down to the 12th verse. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. David said, blessed is the one who God will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. Hello. People need to understand this. They try to mix both together. They preach a mixture. They speak a mixture. They call themselves prophets. And then they, they act like Old Testament prophets. You want me to call down fire on the, you know, just like... When John and James did that, and Jesus laughed, and he said, no, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. He called them the sons of thunder after that as a joke. 
Old Testament ways. He said, everything's changed now that I've come. I, 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 I didn't come to destroy man's lives. I came to give them life. And abundant life. And that's what we're after. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old. And growing old, it says, because, let me start over there. It says, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. That's why it's called the Old Testament. The Old Covenant. It, it doesn't mean that it's, that it's old because it's been around longer. It means it's the old one that was replaced with the new and better one. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. The one that we're under. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. This means we can't just, we don't throw away the old covenant. Andy Stanley says you don't need the old covenant anymore. The great Charles Stanley's son, and God bless him, I hope he repents of that, but we do. It's still part of our Bible, and you can glean a lot, a lot of wonderful things that aren't, aren't spelled out so clearly in the New Testament, and if you can see them from the type and shadow in the Old Testament, it's very beneficial to you. Plus, you can see everything you've been delivered from and everything that the Jews went through to get this gospel to us and how God introduced himself to the world and how he created the world. Yeah. How physics was taken care of in the first scripture of the Bible. Huh? Yeah. Isn't, isn't physics all about time, space, and matter? Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There it is, time, space, and matter. <laughs> Praise God. Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Look at that. Well, I'm a good person. Well, he was a good person. Oh, did he know the Lord? Well, he's a good person. Anyone who, who relies on that is under a curse. That's what you call the law. That means the law of I, I did some good deeds. And I think that God's grading on a curve and I should be okay. That, the Bible says that person's under a curse. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So if you want to live by the law, you have to, every jot and tittle you have to do. If you, if you by error or omission... Even by knowing the right thing to do and not doing it is a sin. So if you, if you want to be held accountable to that set of rules, <coughs> one day Jesus will open that book and he'll say, well, and they'll go, I know, I did not. He say, you needed me. They'll say, I needed you. Can I have you now? And he'll say, no, depart from me. I never knew you. It's the most serious scripture in the Bible. It's terrifying. For those who don't know the Lord. That's why we believers, the righteous, live by faith, not by the law, not by trying to earn God's favor. We can't, by our deeds, earn a relationship with God. 
Now, now though, we receive all the benefits of the Old Testament law just as if we had lived perfectly the Old Testament out. Isn't that something? Do you believe that? Why? Because God just thought you were special and he said, well, they only did one one thousandth of it, but I'm going to credit them with the whole thing. No, it's because of Jesus. Because he lived it out, you put your faith in Jesus and now you died and your life is in Christ. So when God sees you, he sees Jesus. Hello. He either sees Jesus or he sees Adam. And you don't want that. That's the fallen, corrupted nature that was passed along from seed to seed all the way till today. <clears throat> and the only way to fix that is by being born again. Romans 8, 1 through 5. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be condemned is just to be unfit for use. But there's none of that in Christ because Jesus has provided for that. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free of, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And check this out. An example of the old that has become ours apart from our works, our good deeds because of Jesus is right there in Deuteronomy 28. Which is a list of the blessings and the curses that came from obedience or disobedience to the law of God. That's part of the Old Testament. And right there in Deuteronomy 28, the first verse, it says, and it explains, and if you, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments, that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. This was the blessings for obedience to the law, which we could never do. But Jesus did, and now we're in him, like we said. So we have all the blessings of God in Christ. So now... New Testament believers, New Testament believers should should read the Old Testament to see what what God has promised us. But it has to be read with the lenses of grace, with the understanding that all its benefits are obtained by faith in Jesus and not through our own holiness. And I know I'm belaboring this, but I'm getting to the main point of today. In the <laughs> In the same way, 
as the blessings come to us through Jesus and not from our own works, all the curses that are listed, there's a lot more curses listed in Deuteronomy 28 than there are blessings. But all those curses were placed on Jesus on the cross. Hello. Read Galatians 3.13. So we only get the blessings. And when we open a door for the curses to come back into our lives, or if the enemy tries to lie to us, we simply rebuke the enemy. We, we, we stand on Jesus' merits. We protect what is ours in Christ. We're getting back to the spiritual violence. And we go to the Lord, of course, if we're the ones that open that door, and, and then we, we repent and with a thankful heart and knowing that he's already paid for it and forgiven us. And we always want to keep that part straight with him. That's our conscience, our relationship with the Lord. Remember, because being... We have to have a, a thankful heart and a pure conscience because out of the heart come the wellsprings of life, right? But I mean, that's pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. All the blessings, none of the curses because of Jesus. That's our Jesus. Now listen, all the promises and all the provision of the cross, which is the grace of God, if it wasn't, if it wasn't provided through the atonement of Jesus on the cross... It, it's not grace. And no matter what you do or how much you pray, you can't get God to give it to you if it wasn't provided through the atonement of Jesus on the cross. So you need to find out what that is. And that's where most people are misinformed and, and untaught or mistaught or whatever. But for God to be available to us and... and, and uh, and all the promises to be ours. We have to know what Jesus died to pay for and what he didn't. And when you have half the body of Christ. The division in the body of Christ is the biggest problem to me that there is in the world. It's a bigger problem than the, the, the obvious enemies of God. The enemy has so many tares planted in the church. And so you got different doctrines and, and which have made preachers at odds with each other. And they spend more of their lives preaching against other preachers than they do preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and trying to find places to be unified for the Lord. And this is it's going to have to change at some point. And it will in the third great awakening because there's going to be more apostasy and then it's going to be power and victory and the real bride of Christ is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and walking in power and love and truth. And it doesn't mean that everybody that's saved has to walk in, uh, in speaking tongues and walk in, 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 in be prophetic and all that. It just means that they... They can't, they don't need to be condemning it and calling it of the devil. <laughs> because when you call the things that are of God of the devil, 
you can get in big trouble with God, huh? Especially if you do it knowingly. Fortunately, most of them are doing it unknowingly because they just don't have, they have the knowledge of the world and they can only, they only go as far as their, their natural minds will let them. And that's sad because when they read this book, they can become very informed of its content and still not know the real Jesus. If God's will, here's the thing. Jesus died to provide us with lots of wonderful things, but they don't happen automatically. This is, this is where the sovereignty message gets in the way of people's understanding and, and their, their power and the part that they have to play. It doesn't, all the wonderful blessings. God's always trying to bless you, and you'll get blessed. He calls the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, which rain is a good thing considering yourself a farmer, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> it's all in seed form, the kingdom. So rain is a good thing. <laughs> so God is just good, period. You'll see good things happen to terrible people. And you'll say, why, Lord? And he says, quit looking at them. Don't worry about that. I got it. The goodness of God is supposed to bring repentance. And if it doesn't, well, when they stand before him on that day, they're definitely going to understand why they're being at the white throne judgment instead of the receiving rewards and benefits. So it doesn't happen by accident or if God's in a good mood or... If God's will was automatic, everyone would be saved, everyone would be healed, everyone would be prosperous, everyone would be delivered, but they're not. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. So it's his desire that we do be healthy and, and prosperous in every way. And he wants our souls to prosper, our mind and will and emotions. And if you're born again, your spirit is already prosperous because it's been born again. It's been redeemed, renewed, and sealed. <laughs> so nothing can get in, incorruptible. So there would be perfect peace, prosperity, deliverance in the world if God had his will. If, if, if it were God's will, you know, he didn't make this mess, in other words. You know, I have some friend that that they're having trouble they i think they're coming along but they're having trouble receiving jesus um as a good god because you know they were in in war you know and they killed and they saw terrible things war is hell you know <laughs> they saw children killed they saw things like that and they're like they already ruled a good god out that, but they're blaming God, you see, and so they need an understanding of really what happened and how it's man's choices that caused all that to, to happen and not God's desire. And that God is a God of his word. And then when he, he turned this world over to man and we gave it away by agreeing with the devil, we gave our dominion, our power and authority over to the enemy. And, and then God still found a way to get back, get us back to him. So he's good even in, even in our evil <laughs> you know so it doesn't matter what religion tells us God is love and God is light 
And if they're, if it were on earth as it is in heaven, then, then, then there would be no evil in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So people need to know who their enemy really is because it's not God. It's not your boss. It's not the lady that poisoned your cat or the guy that flipped you off on the highway. <laughs> it's not the family member that sits on the opposite side of the church from you on Sunday that you hadn't talked to in 10 years. Oh, and if there's any of you out there in that situation, you better fix that. You better forgive. Remember, the course of your life flows from your heart. You want pure crystal clear water flowing from there, not a bunch of sewage. So get things right, folks. Amen. Threw that one in there for free for somebody. Hello. We love you. Unfortunately, to summarize that, we live in a fallen world, don't we? Yes. It's been corrupted by sin, and it, it suffers the negative effects of the poor choices made by the free will of mankind and the evil of Satan and his demons. So, for all that God has for you and those you love to come to fruition in your lives, you need to learn to trust and cooperate with God in faith. He has spiritual laws in place that are there for your benefit, starting with the law of sowing and reaping, and I'm not just talking about money, but that is one of the things, the basic thing. The tithe belongs to the Lord. The first tenth, the first fruits, the best. But your words, your time, your gifts, everything is in seed form. Jesus said it himself when he taught on the parable of the, the sowing and reaping. The, the four soils and so forth. He said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand anything that I teach. So everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. So we need to understand and learn to cooperate with God if we want to benefit from everything that he has in place for our lives. Mm -hmm. And so there's a certain amount of spiritual violence that is required on our part. Now, I'm about, I'm going to wrap this up with just a couple of stories from the Bible. And there's a bunch. I could use all sorts of different angles. And I, and I got stuck here yesterday listening to the Lord. And I was like, what, how do you want me to go about expressing this spiritual violence? And I said, I named off like 10 different people from the Bible, and I could, I could use it as a negative example, a positive example, an exact example. I could show you guys through the Bible examples of spiritual violence, people taking what God has in the way that he intends for us to take it, for us to understand it so we will duplicate it. That's what those stories are there for, amen? amen. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and, and share maybe one, maybe two with you, but a testimony came to my mind that I've shared with you guys before. And would you turn that light off again? I've, I've shared this with you before, 
But today, I'm going to show you uh, R.W. Schambach giving a testimony about a little boy who received 26 miracles at one time. There's a true story. It's well documented. I've seen pictures of the boy right during the process of him becoming transformed. And I want you to see this. And I want you to see the mother of this child. I want you to focus on her because there's not going to be pictures. It's a testimony. I want you to think about the mother of the child. It's beautiful what happens with the child. But think about the mother of this child. And that's who you need to be in regard to your spiritual violence and taking the kingdom of God and what Jesus has for you by force, knowing that there is opposition all around you in the heavenlies and in this world. Don't let it interfere with you. Get what God has for you. Will you play that? May be some copyright issues here, but as long as we copy it right, it'll be all right. And he didn't call the prayer cards. But she said, I've been staying in the hotel, I've been eating in restaurants, I've been giving in the offering three times a day, and I'm down to my last twenty dollars. I've got to go home tonight. Can you do something? I said, I can do one thing. If he don't call that prayer card tonight, I'll take that boy over to his trailer house and make him lay hands on that baby. I'll get him to the man of God. And I meant that. I would have done it. I, I was leading the singing that night and introduced Brother Allen and he popped out on the stage and he said, we're going to receive an offering tonight quickly. It's going to be an offering of faith. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to take another one. <laughs> but I might. And when he said, I want you to give an offering of faith, a puzzled look came on the faces of everybody, including me. I never heard him use that terminology before. And he said, now, if you don't know what I mean by an offering of faith, he said, I want you to give God something you can't afford to give. Because if you can afford it, there's no faith attached to it. It's logical. Never heard that expression. The first thing I saw was that little woman. Had the baby in her hand, tossed in another woman's arms, and she'd come running. She was three-fourths of the way back, and she beat everybody down there. He was holding the buckets. And I saw that woman come running fast. I mean, ran. 3,000 people in that auditorium. And she threw something in the bucket. I'm on the platform. I'm nosy now. I jumped off that platform. <laughs> and I looked in that bucket. Because that woman told me all she had was that $20 bill. And when I looked in that bucket, you know what I saw in that bucket? $20. She's in Birmingham, Alabama, and she lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, but she wanted a miracle. She needed something from God. She said, Lord, I'll walk home if you just heal my baby. When I saw that $20 bill, I ran behind the platform and I cried like a baby. I said, oh, God, I've been trying to teach that woman faith all week. But I said, oh, God, give me faith like that woman's God. I don't know whether I could do that. You don't know whether you can do it unless you're in a similar situation. 
That man of God received the offering, started preaching. He wasn't 15 minutes into that service when all of a sudden he said, he said, I'm, I see a big building. I said, oh, Lord, here we go on another trip. <laughs> this is how God used him. He said, it's a big old white building. I'm sitting there unmoved because I hear it all the time. He said, I'm inside the building now. And he said, I, oh, there's no doubt where I am. He said, I hear all them babies crying. It's the maternity ward in this hospital. He said, a little baby was born. He said, I see 12 doctors around him. He said, that little baby was born with 12, 14, 21, 20, 26 major diseases. And when he said that, I sat up and I said, my God, tonight's that baby's night. Tonight's that baby's night. He said, the doctor said the baby wouldn't live to see its first birthday. But he said, the doctor's wrong. He said, that baby's approaching four. He said, I see mother stuffing a suitcase. She's going on a trip, another lady's with her. Put the baby in a bassinet. It's in the back seat of an old Ford. He said, I see the Tennessee Alabama border. He said, that car's pulling in on the parking lot. He said, lady, you're here tonight. Bring me your baby now. God's gonna give you 26 miracles. Now. Ooh. Not tomorrow, Benny. Now. God's gonna give you 26 miracles. That little woman brought that baby, four years of age, put it in the man of God's hands, and he started to walk back and forth on that platform. I leaped from my seat and walked with him. 3,000 people stood to their feet. He said, I want everybody to close your eyes and pray with me. I said, not me, mister, I'm gonna watch this one. I've been waiting all week for this. Don't you all look so sanctified. You're just like I am. You want to see something too? <laughs> and I'm standing there right next to him. And the first thing I saw was that tongue laying on the chin, snapped like a rubber band. <laughs> and it went in his mouth for the first time in four years. Those little blind eyes, you didn't know whether they were blue or brown or what color they were because it was nothing but milky, solid milk. You knew the boy was blind, couldn't see, but I saw two whirlpools in those eyes, and all of a sudden you could see brand new blue eyes coming through the milky colored condition. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about a God that's not dead, but a God that's thing I saw was those arms and legs began to snap simultaneously as they kicked out for the first time. Standing there in front of those people, there's no shoes on clubs, those clubs were there. But I saw God create feet on that little boy's legs. I, saw, I used to buy my children, we used to buy them silly putty when they were kids. I don't know whether they have that now or not, but they used to make things out of that stuff. And it 
just looked like God was using silly putty to put a foot on the end of that boy's body. People's hands were raised. Some were fall, falling under the power. Some that didn't go down fell down. I mean, you were, we knew we were in the presence of an awesome God. Faith had nothing to do with this. This was God working in the midst of his people. This was a sovereign act of God. Mama standing over here on this side of the platform with her hands raised, tears streaming down her face. He put the child down. This boy never saw his mama, never spoke, never walked, never talked. And when he put that boy down, he took his first little steps. And when he saw mama, he ran after her. I'm running after him. He leaped into his mama's arms, wrapped his arms around her, and I heard him say his first words, Mama, 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 Mama. Twelve wheelchairs, you in wheelchairs, listen to me. You that are watching my television, I want you to hear it. Twelve wheelchairs on this side of the platform. Like a sergeant commanded all 12 of them to stand at attention, all 12 stood up at one time. And they walked out of those wheelchairs. Some spinal cords were broken, severed because of motorcycle accidents. 3,000 people watching what was taking place. And all of a sudden, like a maestro leading a great chorus, Every eye went to the stretcher case. 13, 14 stretchers on this side, like they knew what was going to happen. Everybody in those wheelchairs got up and walked out totally healed. And while we're standing on the platform, people began to file down the aisle. Back in those days, in 1957, the hearing aids were like transistor radios. They were pulling them out of their ears and out of their pockets where they had them, and there were two dozen of them laying on the platform. They didn't need them any longer. People started taking glasses off and laying them on the platform. Every cane, every crutch, and every walker, they were bringing them down, walking normally. They were healed while they were seated out there. I always say nobody laid hands on them, but somebody did lay hands on them. It was the nail-scarred hand of Calvary that night. And you shout amen. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Here comes a half a dozen people with different parts of the congregation. Six white canes with six inches of red at the bottom. Totally blind. And their eyes popped open. Women lost four and five dress sizes when tumors just disappeared. Every person in the building was healed. Every person was healed. A divine, sovereign act of God. And people ask me why, how, why and how did it happen like that? I can't but, but have one answer. That God lifted the veil to show me what he's going to do in this last day. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It's not going to be two out of ten or three out of seven. It's not going to be eight out of ten. But I believe we're living 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Well, listen, I thought, uh, I thought R.W. could do a lot better job of that than I could. And uh, what do y'all think about that? Do y'all appreciate that? Yeah, yeah. You can look that up and you can see actual pictures of uh, the boy and, and as he being transformed. They, it was 50, 1957, but they did have a lot of pictures. And uh, it's, it's been documented and wonderful thing, wonderful thing. They, 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 it always that came out of a time when they asked him, what's the greatest miracle you ever saw in, in your, because he had a healing and miracle ministry. And um, he's talking about a minister who was an evangelist named A.A. A. Allen, who was well known for, for miracles. And, and uh, but R.W. Shambach was too. And uh, so when he was asked, what's the greatest miracle you ever saw in your ministry? This is the one he always referred to, of course. <laughs> Beautiful thing that happened to that child. Amen. And God is still in the healing business today. Amen. Amen. Nothing's changed. All that stuff is part of our inheritance. And, uh, and nothing, uh, you know, it's, her, that woman's faith was not a work that earned anything from God. You understand that? It's a spiritual law that's already in place for our benefit. All she did was cooperate with it. Huh? And when you get the difference, then you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll go ahead and how I the enemy doesn't want you to have your inheritance. That's the point. And you're gonna have to use your spiritual weapons to take by force everything that Jesus has died to provide us with and, and protect it. That's the point. I'm going to leave off uh, the parables from the Bible that I was going to use to reinforce the case here for our spiritual violence. And I'll, I'll just, I think we'll do this again next week. And uh, I think it'll be good to, to just sort of park here for a minute until we all sort of, the light bulb comes on and, uh, and we... You know, there, there's a, there seems like there's a time period, a little space of time usually for believers when we, we see something or we hear something and we know it's true. And then, and then we see something and, and maybe you see something like that to reinforce it and, you, and you, there's something rises up in you. You're like, I, 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 I not only... I don't only believe that, but I, I see it. I get it. And I, and, I, and I believe that that is available to me. Until, and then there's a time frame where you have to, you leave the church or you leave the, the congregation of other believers where the anointing is present and, and the Spirit of the Lord is, is ministering to people and you're alone and you, have to, and you have to meditate on it and you have to say, can I actually apply this in some areas of my life? And then you start trying to practice it. And then the more you, you hear about it and you discuss it for a time, 
the more it becomes rock solid. In other words, that seed, because this is all in seed form, because it is from the Word of God, and it gets, it, you don't allow the enemy to take it, and you continue to meditate on it, you don't allow him to steal it, no matter what anybody says or what the world thinks, and that's one of the big things. You have to, you have to decide to not care what anybody says. You, you, <laughs> boy, that was a hard one for me, but the Lord started working on it with me right away, and you just have to be willing to forsake your reputation, your ego, and, and whatever anybody else thinks. So they're going to they're gonna talk anyway. The world doesn't understand things that are of a spiritual nature because they do not have the Spirit of God. Neither can they understand, the Bible says. So we just feel sorry for them and we pray for them. But we don't let it, we don't compromise so that we fit in with them. We can't. The world's doing that, most of the church, and it's become ineffective. So we have to, these are, these sort of truths, they're, while they've always been available, Ever since the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, people uh, have chosen to just sort of blend in with the world instead of stand for the truth of God and fight and use their spiritual violence to take by force the things that Jesus has for us, which is his greatest desire is for us to walk in all the, the blessings and benefits and power and victory and healing and wholeness and prosperity and eternal life that he died to provide us with. So we're going to continue on with this next week. And I love you all and I thank you for, for being here today and for all of those who will hear this message by some other means and some other place and some other time. I love you. I pray for you too. I pray for everyone who hears this message. I just believe that God has brought us a little closer to himself today. Um, in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And uh, everyone that hears this message, everyone that's here today, I just speak a blessing of health and wholeness and revelation knowledge of God over you that will empower you to, to take by force, by spiritual violence against the enemy and all of those who have uh, planned uh, against you in the, in the demonic realm that you will rebuke the devil, that you will fight for what, you, for what is yours in Christ and that you will have everything that God says you can have and that you will identify as everything that God says you are now in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God.